Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I had a great sermon, Romans chapter 8. I had a great sermon ready. I'm always ready, just in case. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and so when Pastor graciously asked me what a privilege it is to stand in this holy place and speak to such an esteemed group of ministers and, and laymen, and uh, so I, I was ready. I thought, well, thank God I don't have to do anything. I'm all ready. And then I the, heard the Holy Spirit say, do you want a good sermon or the right sermon? Yeah. And I was tempted to say good. Because <laughs> I said, Lord, they I like this one. I get, I'll get them shouting on this one. But he said, do you want the good, the good one or, or a right one? And I said, well, I want the right one. And he said, well, then you better, you better wait on me. So I did. And I've never preached this in my life before, but he's, he's been dealing with me about this in my personal life. I haven't even preached it to my own congregation yet. But he said, I want you to, I want you to share these thoughts as it will be a, a rescue and a help to people. And not just ministers, but to anybody and to everybody. And it is being a rescue to me. And so persistent was the Spirit of God upon my heart to minister to this that I am thoroughly convinced that this is the highest flow for this service. And to do anything else would, would, uh, would grieve him. I listen to Dad Hagen and Pastor Nancy almost exclusively. I listen to a handful of other ministers, but I'm very cautious with who I feed on. And I think it's important that we're all, whoever God has your divine connection, you need to be careful that you don't feed on too many different types of grasses. And so, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 there's thousands of sermons, Dad Hagen and audio and, and video alike. And so the Lord, I just, I just listen to different ones as, as, as I just have it in my heart. Rarely does he actually highlight something to me, but some time ago, I was looking at YouTube and he specified a sermon to me that from Dad Hagen and it was, it was from 1983 so it wasn't even a video, it was just an audio. And I don't normally, I prefer the videos, I like to see him. And, uh, but I heard the Lord say, I want you to watch that, I want you to take notes and I want you to pay attention because there's a rescue in that sermon for you. And so I started to watch it and I, I take my time, I go back and I listen to it again and I listen to it again and I wrote some notes and uh, it had such a profound effect on me. And, and I believe that that's, even though I, I haven't necessarily delivered this before, I, I believe that's what the Lord wants me to share with you if you just open up your hearts. And uh, I believe God is going to help us this morning. Brother Copeland made a statement when he was here this, this weekend and he said, an active living faith is the secret to success. And Dad Hagen in that sermon that I watched talked about his secret to success. And I didn't know that he had actually come up with a phrase or, or a compacted idea that he would say, this is the secret to my success. And so he, uh, this was in December the 1st, 1948, he wrote on a piece of paper while he was pastoring that small East Texas church and he had taken time to seek God. That was 35 years before he preached this in 1983. He still had the little yellow slip of paper in his Bible. And, uh, and, and I, I actually, this is the only thing I'm putting on the screen, but I want you to see what he said. And this is the statement that he made that he said was the secret to his success. The secret to a successful apostolic ministry full of faith and power, using the divine given instruments of travail and compassion will make you irresistible. He said he was waiting on God December the 1st, 1948, and he heard God say those words to him. 
The secret to a successful apostolic ministry full of faith and power using the divine given instruments of travail and compassion will make you irresistible. God's been dealing with me personally in my life a lot about this lately over the last number of months. And again, I haven't publicized it. This is the first time, but I, I, I would rather preach something I've delivered and I have more experience delivering. You know, when you go to sermon, you preach a number of times, you're comfortable with it. When you haven't, you're not as comfortable with it. But I, I don't want to hurt the Holy Ghost. And I know he said, I want you to do this because it's, it's changing my life. And I really do believe it can change anybody's life, whether you're a minister or whether you're not a minister. There are elements in this that is a secret to every person's success, not just ministry, in business, in marriage, children, in every area of life. I want you to notice that he said, full of faith and power. And of course, he explained in the message, he said that uh, full of faith is our side, full of power is God's side. So the Holy Ghost, we have to be full of the Holy Ghost. In other words, we have to wait on him. So there is partly our side to that. But he said, the, the full, full of the spirit of God, full of the power of God, we, we need him to do that as we wait on him. But full of faith, we need to do what we need to do. And thank God we're, and that's what Brother Copeland said, a living active faith is a secret to success. So this is an agreement with what Dad Hagen said. Dad Hagen just went a step further. The Holy Ghost through him went a step further that it was more than just faith and power. But it was something called using the divine given instruments of travail and compassion. And it's a, it's a curious phrase, divine given instruments. What is an instrument? If you're a carpenter, you have a hammer. That's an instrument. If you're a mechanic, you have a wrench. That's an instrument. If you're a writer, you have a pen. That's an instrument. An instrument is a tool to get the job done. A God given instrument is a God given tool. God gives the tool. I want you to notice that it's God given, yet we are told to use it. So there's a responsibility on God's side to give it, but there's a responsibility on our side to use the instrument that he's given. And it took me a number of weeks meditating on this before I actually, my, my, my the revelation started to come and I started to see it because I thought, well, Lord, this is a strange phrase. Uh, God given instruments, divine instruments of travail and compassion. And, as a, and it took me quite a while praying it out for, for me, for, my, it, for the revelation to dawn in me of what I believe, what I believe God was trying to say to that, about that. And what, he, what it really is, is you can't, if I could say it simply, you can't create travail. You can't. And if you study Dad Hagen's prayer book on, this, on the chapter of intercession, he talks very clearly that you can't travail and groan and do any of that stuff in the flesh. It doesn't work. It's got to be in the spirit, by the spirit, working through you, right? The same way you cannot create compassion. You can feel sorry for somebody. You can have sympathy for somebody. You can have pity on somebody, but that's of the soul realm. Compassion comes out of your spirit man. And compassion is not something that you can muster or conjure, just like travail isn't. But he said it is a divine given instrument, which means God has to give the travail and he has to give the compassion. But he also said that we are to use the instruments, which are tools, God given tools. So we have a part to play. So it took me a while saying, Lord, how am I supposed, I understand the, the travail part because I've, I've operated in that many times and, and, and that's not very hard to understand. What you do with, with travail is you position yourself. 
You start by praying in the Holy Ghost and you quiet your mind and you wait on God and you give it time. And as, as, you, as you continue to pray, what you're doing is you're making yourself available for the Holy Ghost to come on you and up within you. And out of this, out of your spirit comes this deep groan and this, uh, this travail and this intercession and you begin to do Romans 8, 26. But if you notice, you can't do it on your own, of your own conjuring, so to speak, just because you decide, I'm going to travail today, it doesn't work that way. You have to wait on God, position yourself, and then he comes on you. And he said to me, that's the same thing with compassion, which I don't think a lot of people really fully understand compassion because we feel sorry for somebody. We say it's compassion and that's not it. You know what it feels like when a divine, holy yearning comes within you for somebody and it's beyond you. It didn't really originate with you, although it's coming through you, that is God giving you this, this uh, that compassion comes up from within you and it's of the Holy Ghost. It's not of you as a person. But how do you, if it's God given, and if we know travail, this is where my struggle was. I said, I understand travail, Lord, because I know how to get into that. If I'll just wait and wait on you, it'll come. If you, if it's up to him, obviously, but oftentimes it will come. I said, but I don't understand the compassion part because how do I, how do I position myself? How do I cooperate with compassion? Because it's not just a simple matter of kneeling down and praying. I don't understand how to do that. And the same week I asked God, <laughs> oh my Lord, uh, we were having a, it was a, we were having a service and we had a visitor and I was not in the mood. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that after I'm a pastor, but just sometimes I'm just not in the mood to talk to somebody. Right. Now I'm a pretty strong individual. I'm very opinionated and I don't like masks. I just don't. I just, I, if you want them, that's fine. You can have them. I have no problem with anybody wearing them, but I'm just saying, I just personally, I just, I just, it bothers me. The spirit of faith is stronger than that. Uh, but anyway, so I went out grudgingly and of necessity. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this lady sitting, she wouldn't stand. That annoyed me. Right. <laughs> because she doesn't have respect to stand and, and greet me as a pastor when I'm coming out to talk to her. And she's wearing a mask. And I felt annoyance. It's a visitor, she won't stand, she's wearing a mask. And I thought, this is just perfect. Yeah. And I felt annoyed because I didn't want to talk to visitors that Sunday anyway. I had other stuff to do. I just wasn't in the mood. Sometimes I am, this time I wasn't. But I just thought, a thought came to me, which I didn't realize was God until afterward. Why don't you just operate in the fruits? Pastor Nancy's words came back like a storm. The fruits is what really makes you spiritual. The mark of a spiritual man is one that yields to the fruits, not just the gifts. Because the fruits is how you treat somebody. The fruits is how you treat people. And so that thought came, I didn't know it was God. And I thought, why don't I just yield to the fruits? And I thought, well, love, patience, gentleness, meekness. I don't like these fruits right now. Where's the gift of faith? Where's the gift of the working of miracles? That's what I want. That's what I want. But that's not what he was dealing with me about. And so I remember, I thought uh, just in a microsecond as I'm looking and I'm walking toward and I'm feeling that <clears throat> annoyance. And I thought, I'm going to, I just decided I'm going to yield to the fruits. 
and I, and I didn't feel it. I just said, Lord, I'm just going to yield to meekness and gentleness and love. This is a new person. And I'm t- I can't explain it to you. As within, a, within a two or three seconds, as I, as I reached down to shake her hand, this deep swell. I almost started to weep. I had to fight myself not to weep. And a minute before Pastor Jay, I was really in the flesh. But I chose to put on love. I chose to put on patience in a microsecond without any feelings attached. Did it by faith. But what I had done without realizing, and a week before I had said, Lord, you got to teach me how this compassion thing works. I know how we yield to travail, but how do I yield to compassion? What do I do? What do I do? I don't understand what I do. And he taught me in real life, in real time, if you'll you'll submit to me and my spirit and how I want you to treat people and not how you feel, then I had positioned myself without even realizing it. And up out of my spirit came this deep, deep, it was divine. It was supernatural. It was not from me. Believe me, I cannot take credit. It was a love for that person like she was my own mother. It was a deep compassion. For a moment, I loved the mask. I loved the mask. I, I loved her. I loved everything about her. I loved the fact that she was sitting. It, it, it wiped the slate. And there was something of God in me for that person. A brand new stranger I'd never seen, by the way, never seen since. But I just, I, I took her hand and she had pain in her back and I started to pray. And uh, I'll tell you something that Dad Hagen would say, if you listen to him closely, he'd talk about how people would have to release their faith. But then he'd say, I was conscious at times of another kind of power that flowed through me. He's talking about the gifts of healings that did not require their faith because it was a gift unto them. And he said, now you don't control that. That says the Holy Ghost. But he said, I was conscious of that. And all of a sudden, with this deep yearning of compassion for this woman, as I'm, I said, can I pray for you? She had bad back, bad legs. But I felt something just with, and she didn't have much. And I didn't even say release your faith, agree with me or anything like that. I just out of compassion just started ministering. And I felt power come out of me into her. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, that's the gifts of healing, son. Compassion released the gifts of healings into her. And so I got in the car and I felt, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry for being so carnal, but thank you for helping me understand my role, how I use the divine given instruments of compassion. You do it by positioning yourself, by treating people the right way. I'm not saying that's the only way, but I'm saying that's, that's one of the major ways you yield, you, you allow intercession and travail to come because you present yourself and you cooperate and you position yourself and you make yourself available by going into prayer. Now he can drop that on you anytime and it's many times with me even when I'm not in prayer. But, but if you want it to happen, you've got to present yourself to God. The same with compassion. In other words, this is from God, but we have to use it. Do you see the two sides? It's not just God. He wants to give it, but if you don't position, you can't, you can't pick up the tool of compassion. So we have to use it to be prosperous in ministry and in life, but we have to position ourselves so that the Holy Ghost can author it because you can't come up with that on your own. And he said it would make you irresistible. He, Dad Hagen, Jesus said through him, to him, to us, through him, it'll make you irresistible. It'll change things in your ministry. And I think that, that, that we, need to, we need to focus on this a little bit because I think there's a lot of things that can be turned with travail. And I don't think a lot of people know much about it, but I think praise God for Dad Hagen and Pastor Nancy who teach us. Hallelujah. 
we've been given these instruments to get the job done. Romans 8, 26, if you'd, I ask you to turn there. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 26. And you know the scripture very well, I'm sure. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Dr. P.C. Nelson, a Greek scholar, told Dad Hagen that the actual Greek reads with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. The Amplified Classic says unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The message says wordless sighs and aching groans. The Berean literal says inexpressible groanings. The NASB says groanings too deep for words. The Weymouth says yearnings that can find no words. The Phillips says agonizing longings which never find words. There is, this, there is this travail that can come on us if we'll yield to the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden come from within us a, a, deeper, a deeper form of prayer. And then this compassion side, I'll get back to travail, but I just, I want to focus more on travail than compassion, but I just wanted to mention a little bit about compassion too. Uh, and, and basically F.F. Bosworth said, compassion is defined as such, to love tenderly and to be full of eager yearning. That's what F.F. Bosworth said, to love tenderly and to be full of eager yearning. Compassion is of the spirit. Sympathy is of the soul. Do you know that there are 14 times in the gospel, in the four gospels, that the word compassion is used? 14 times. Eight of them is directly ministering to people. Six of them are outside, not directly ministering to people. Four of the six are parables. Jesus is telling a story, and in it, compassion is used. Like, like, like the Good Samaritan, compassion. There was stories, but not directly relating to people. One time, the lunatic's father's, uh, the, the lunatic, remember the boy who was lunatic? The father said, have compassion on us. That's one time it was used. And then another time, Jesus had compassion, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. So six times, two of, two of the ones I've just mentioned, four in parables, but eight times in the New Testament, and compassion is used where Jesus ministered to people. One time is a group setting. I'm just going to go through this very quickly. Mark 1 and Matthew 14. It says he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Now, I've done a very in-depth study, and I do teach it at my Bible school, every single healing and every single miracle that occurred in the New Testament. And, 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 and stripping it down and, and just skinning that cat every which way you can, studying it in the original language. And I'll tell you, there is a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of healings and miracles that were accomplished because people released their faith. And actually, if you study it, it's more than half the people released their faith. Because when, G, when he was in heaven in, in September uh, the 2nd, I believe, 1950, and Jesus took him to the throne room, he said, come up hither, member. And, uh, and one of the things, because I was listening to that recently, and he was talking about how when Jesus was there, he taught him the difference in Acts 10, 38, that uh, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, uh, for God was with him. But it says how God was, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And there's a difference between those two phrases. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost. That's, Dad Hagen says that's the gifts of the Spirit in operation, as the Spirit wills. But then he was also anointed with power. That's the anointing of healing power that requires faith to be released. And Jesus told him that in heaven. This power requires faith. 
And if you study very carefully, you'll find there's more examples, not much, but there are more examples of people having to use their faith in the New Testament than God just giving it to them as a gift. Thank God for the gifts. We need more, but we also need to teach people and preach. So when you don't see Jesus preaching or teaching, or it's not mentioned, it doesn't guarantee that it was all the gifts, but most likely it was the gifts in operation. Because if you don't teach and preach, you can't, people can't release their faith. They can't, they can't get faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if you study it in Matthew, in Mark 1 and Matthew 14, it doesn't say anything about preaching or teaching. He might have, some people may have released their faith that we don't know everything. The story doesn't tell everything, but it just said he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. There's a good indication that that was one of those services where, and he said to Dad Hagen in heaven, there were times where I healed everybody. In other words, it doesn't matter whether they had faith or not. Why? Because compassion, using the divine given instrument of compassion, unlocked the gifts of the Spirit for God to help. And I'm not saying every time compassion comes, the gifts are going to come, but it is a very good indicator. Pay attention. When compassion starts to well up out of your spirit, man, it's not a guarantee, but it's a good indicator. Pay attention. The gifts of the Spirit often are on the heels of that. And we can see that in Scripture. That's why I'm saying it, because we can see it in Scripture. So we don't know whether they were releasing all their faith or not, but we know he didn't teach. It doesn't say he taught or preached. It just said he had compassion and healed their sick, most likely the gifts. Mark 5, number 2, he was moved with compassion with the Gadarene demoniac. That Hagen taught that that was the gift of faith in operation and probably the gift of discerning of spirits as well. When he ministered and he said, I have had compassion. Go tell them how he, I've had compassion on thee. Compassion released the gifts of the Spirit in that situation. Number three, Luke 7, he was moved with compassion at the widow's son. Now that was the gifts because anytime you raise it in, it's always the gifts. And there was compassion that came in him and he touched the coffin and the boy got up. Notice how compassion paved a way for the power of God. Specifically the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Number four and five in Matthew 15 and Mark 8, he was moved with compassion and fed 4,000. That's the gift of the working of miracles. Number six, I've been talking about eight items. Number six is Mark 6, 34, and it says he was moved with compassion and fed 5,000. Both times in all, in all those occasions, it talks about that compassion came up within him and then the power gets started to operate. I'm not saying every time, but you can see in Scripture, compassion uh, is a prelude to power. And we need power. But we've got to have compassion as well because Dad Hagen said that was a secret to his success. Matthew, number 7, Matthew 20, it says that Jesus had compassion on two blind men and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Now, unlike blind Bartimaeus who cast away the garment in faith and Jesus said, according to your faith, but he didn't say that this time. There was, there was no indication that they had faith, but he goes up and touches them, but there was compassion noted. Yeah. And all of a sudden their eyes open. I wonder if that was the gifts of healings, because as I mentioned, those men having any faith, unlike blind Bartimaeus. And finally, Mark chapter 1, it says he was moved with compassion with the leper and said, I will be thou clean. Yeah. And some people say, well, whatever, that, that doesn't, well, <laughs> if you don't know the will, and if you don't know the word, how can you have faith? Because faith comes by knowing the word. 
So if you don't even know the will of God, you're not really releasing your faith, at least not to full measure. He said, I know you can, but I don't know if you want to. So he didn't really know the will. If he doesn't know the will, he can't really be fully in faith, can he? So that man was not really releasing faith the way we would have liked him to, but Jesus in compassion, even though there was a lack in his life, even though there was something missing there, the faith was missing, the teaching was missing, understanding the plan of God was missing, but a compassion from the Holy Ghost rose up within him and he said, I will be thou clean. Again, most likely either his own faith or the gifts of healings were in operation to do that. All I'm saying is that Dad Hagen said a great secret. I pay attention because Dad Hagen is the platinum standard, in my opinion, and the forerunner of the last day great revival. And when he says there's something really important boys and girls, that I, I has changed my ministry and was a key to my success. He called it the secret of his success. I don't know, but I just think I need to listen to that. And God, like I said, out of all the thousands, he, he, he spoke to me and he said, watch that one. And I said, but Lord, that's not a video. I don't like audios. I want video. He said, watch that one. Listen to that one. And I did. And he started to talk about this. And I know some of you have heard this before, heard him say that before. But the Holy Ghost has just been on me day and night, day and night, day and night. And I had something else ready. But he said, I want you to talk about that because there, there is divinely given instruments of travail and compassion that will make us irresistible. Praise God for compassion. If we'll just walk in the fruits of the Spirit more. I believe compassion will come up a lot more. I think a lot of times we're, I'm being honest with you, in talking to people, asking them questions, other ministers, when I say, how, how do you operate in compassion? Nobody can give me an answer. So good. Very few people understand it because it's like a hidden miss thing. Well, I don't know. One day it's there, the next day it's not. I don't know how to operate it. I don't know when it comes. I don't know. It's just God does it whenever he wants to do it. That's almost sovereignty attitude. No, it's not God does it whenever he wants to do it. He told us, use these divine given instruments, which means if we're, uh, if we're told to use them, we've got a part to play. He wouldn't tell us to use them if we couldn't use them. But he has to give them, but we have to position ourselves to cooperate. How do I position myself? Well, all I know is, at least at this stage, I'm sure there's more progressive revelation coming in the future. But all I know for me is that he taught me, if you'll just walk in the fruits of the Spirit and really love people the way you preach, do what you preach, boy. Practice what you preach. Because sometimes it's hard for preachers because we're human and we don't always feel like doing everything and loving everybody. And sometimes it's sacrifice. But if you'll just do it and yield to it, I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> There's no point saying that we're better than we are because everybody knows we're liars. So we're human. We're human. We, got, we, we don't always feel like things. But if you'll just walk in those fruits. And just that is a positioning for that divine Holy Ghost compassion to rise up within me. I'm not saying it'll happen every time, but pay attention when it does. Because scripturally, out of the eight times he ministered to people, the majority, if not all, had the gifts of the Spirit operating with that compassion. And I believe there's more compassion that he wants us to operate in. It's a something, an instrument, the tool that we must pick up. But we're only going to get it if we cooperate. Praise God. Hallelujah. I may not be as much of a shouting sermon, but, but I think it's an important one nonetheless because I, I, I want increase. I really want increase. Hallelujah. You can't force it, but it can be God-given.
and we must use it. Now, travail, can I read you a quote from Kenneth E. Hagin? He said, travail is something we know little or nothing about. We use the word intercession so lightly. Travail is one side of intercession. That's what Dad Hagen taught. The deeper side. So there's two sides to intercession. We know a little about the shallow side of intercession. We pray with our understanding and with tongues a little bit, but we know very little about real travail and prayer. I think Dad Hagen is qualified to speak because I think he understood some of these things more than most people. So I started reading the different scriptures in the Old and New Testament about travail. I'm not reading them to you for sake of time, but for example, Isaiah 23, 4, Isaiah 54, 1, Jeremiah 4, 31, Micah 4, John chapter 16. All of these references, most, the vast majority, are talking about travail and childbirth. As a woman in travail. Now there's some scriptures where travail is, re- is referenced with hard work, hard labor. Travailing in labor, like, but, but by work and standards. But most of them is talking about birthing birthing. And so really when you're talking about travail from a spiritual sense, just in the natural as a woman travails to give birth, in the, when we're talking about it in a prayer sense, we're giving birth to certain things if we'll travail. And Dad Hagen said we need to use this instrument. That success will come to us if we would use this instrument. But God has to do it. Yes, but you can position yourself. You can make yourself available. It's really up to you how much you travail, even though God's the one that gives it. Because if you never wait on him, and it's enough time for that anointing to come on you and rise up from within you, then you're going to be held responsible for lack. And don't, don't blame God and say, well, that's a sovereign thing. No, 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 no. He said it's a divine given, comes from God. But you use the instrument. You position. You, you cooperate because we can more use this skill. I'm getting somewhere. Just stay with me for a second. One, number one, we travail to birth souls. I want to read you what Dad Hagen said. I can remember, listen to this, please. This is so important. Because every pastor really longs for this. But how many pastors use the divine given instrument of travail? We whine that our churches don't grow, but we don't use the instrument. We whine that our altars aren't full, but we don't use the instrument. Maybe it's time to stop whining and start using the instrument. See, Pastor Debbie's anointing coming on me. It's not my fault. It's just not my fault. Dad Hagen said, I can remember praying like that in travail in days gone by. Travailing and groaning until I actually hurt on the inside. I held my stomach because it felt like it was going to bust. I'm quoting him. I cried out, lost, lost for nearly an hour. Afterward, when I went to preach, the power of God fell within 15 minutes and every sinner in the house got saved. I didn't even have to give an altar call. They just ran to the altar. And it wasn't because of his great sermon. It was because of the instrument of travail. If we had more travail, we would have more things like that happening. There is a place, listen to the statement, there is a place we have not been in, there is a place we have not been in prevailing, travailing prayer. Only a few have come to the edge of it. Now, for the sake of time, I won't read it, but on page 91 in his prayer course on intercession, he tells this glorious story of Charles Finney. And now he's having dinner with the man. 
This doctor and his brother and his brother during dinner grabs his stomach and runs upstairs groaning. And the doctor thought he was sick. Went upstairs to check on his brother to make sure he wasn't physically ill. And I guess he said, leave me alone, leave me alone. Finney picked up that same burden and went upstairs and together on the floor, this is in the 1800s, on the floor, they began to groan and birth and cry out to God with yearnings and inarticulate speech. Finney called it unutterable gushings. And for 45 minutes, Pastor Morgan, on the floor, they groaned together. Now, people don't talk about this, but there's a key here. Then they started to laugh and joy. Dan Hagen said, wait till you get that note of victory. Then they came downstairs, and long story short, but the doctor basically, he was a skeptic, and he was very analytical and mental and anti-anything to do with this kind of stuff. Uh, they began to say, well, he said, what are you doing? He said, we've been praying for your poor, miserable soul. Along those lines, I'm not quoting exactly, but I think they said poor and miserable in there somewhere. And, 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 and they preached to him. And he was, he was, but all of a sudden they looked and tears started streaming down the mental, the, the smart, the doctor who's, who's at the top of his game, the top of society, the respected man in the community, the anti-God, pro-education. We're not against education, but some people put education as their God. And, and tears streaming down his face and he started to pray and said, pray for me, pray for me, my brothers. I need God. And they led him in the sinner's prayer and he got gloriously born again at the table. And Dad Hagen in the book said that was because they used the divine instrument of travail. And travail can accomplish things that no conversation can. Travail can accomplish things that no preaching can. We need preaching. It's a weapon and it's a gift and it's an instrument. But we also need this. We need this. Praise God. <laughs> Listen to this. Number two, uh, what does travail do? It matures believers. We're not just talking about getting people saved. We are talking about maturing believers. There's not one pastor in this group of great esteemed ministers that can tell me that every person in your church is perfectly mature. We all need congregation members to grow up into the image of Christ and to develop spiritually. As Dad Hagen said, grow up spiritually. Do you realize that travail can assist you in that plan? How many congregation members could we have helped turn from their rebellion if we had used the divine given instrument of travail? How many incurable diseases could we have turned if we had birthed that in the spirit? How many situations could change if people would use this divine instrument? I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you're listening or not, but I'm telling you, this is, this is important for us as laymen. How many businesses could have been turned using the divine instrument of travail? I'm telling you. Galatians 5.19, would you look at that quickly for me? Well, I'll read it to you. We don't have time for you to look it up now. I'll just read it. Galatians 4.19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Which means travail births new souls, but travail also matures existing believers. Oh, if the pastor would pick up the divine given instrument of travail and compassion, how much more could be accomplished in his local church? How many situations could turn? The Lord said to me recently, and I won't tell the specifics, it's private, but he said, I want you to believe me for this many people in this season for your church to grow. 
and for people to run with you with the vision and help fund the vision. And I said, okay, so I started doing what we do. I started confessing. I started taking authority over things that would try to hinder that. I started releasing my faith. And then as he was dealing with me about this, he spoke to me one day and, and he said, confession has its place. Using your authority and binding and loosing has its place. But you must learn my ways. And without travail and intercession, you can't give birth to my will. He said, travail will also help bring those people that I've asked you to believe me for. And then I was looking up, he said that to me and I wrote it down, but then I looked up and I found this quote by Dad Hagen and it was very similar in wording, it shocked me. Dad Hagen said, something doesn't just happen because it's God's will. You have to learn his ways. He said similar to me, intercession and soul travail are ways God uses to give birth to his will. Intercession and soul travail are ways God uses to give birth to his will. Birthing his will. Birthing souls. Birthing maturity in believers. Paul was, was, was birthing and travailing in prayers and groanings that cannot be uttered for the Galatian church that they would grow up into the full stature of Christ. How many pastors do that? I know I'm guilty of not operating and using this instrument to full degree. But I'm making a change. I've already been making a change. I don't like preaching things until I've really worked them out and preaching a few times to my church. But I fought with God. I said, God, I got a good sermon. They'll shout on this sermon. They'll shout, Lord. I know they'll shout. But he said, that's not what I want for today. I said, but Lord, they won't shout on this sermon. He said, that's not what I want for today. I'm telling you the truth. And I heard him say, there are rescues for marriages. There are rescues for businesses. There are rescues for congregation members. There are rescues for pastors and situations that you don't even know about. There are rescues for incurable diseases that doctors have said there is no way. But let me tell you, travail can change what the doctor says is impossible. Travail can turn it. Smigglesworth, as Pastor Nancy calls him, Smith Wigglesworth, we shorten it. Smigglesworth said this, this is a powerful quote, intercession can unlock any safe in the world. Whether you've got the combination or not, intercession's got the combination. Intercession can unlock any safe in the world. And I'm telling you, uh, I, I can't just confess, I can't just evangelize, I can't just have nice little prayer meetings, I can't just have preaching, I've got to use the divine granted instrument of travail. And then the Lord rebuked me a little bit while all of this was, you know, the last few months. He rebuked me again. And he said, uh, why do you always push it off on your prayer team? Oh, oh, God. I said, they're old ladies. They like to pray. Now, let me tell you. Thank God for the older ladies that are retired because they give themselves. They give themselves. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for them. No, I mean it. And some of them are young. Not all, you know what I'm saying, not all retired. But you know, when people think of this kind of thing, they think, oh, that's the old lady group. Just give it to the grannies. The grannies will pray. They've got nothing else to do. So they'll crochet and then they'll pray. <laughs> I'm making enemies. <laughs> Whoa, my God. Pastor Jan, please. Don't look at me. I put sunglasses on to stop that stare. No, no, no. Listen, we love crocheting. I love it. We love it. I'm not mocking. I'm not making fun. 
I'm just saying the concept in my mind, maybe I'm the only carnal bucket here, but the concept in my mind was intercessions for the older ladies that are retired and they come in and they pray. And thank God for them. I'm not demeaning, demeaning them whatsoever. We need their supply. But the Lord rebuked me and he said, you're pushing this stuff off on the prayer team and on the, on the ones that have the time and that come in and do the extra praying. He dealt with me. He said, Paul took ownership and Paul travailed. He said, I travail. He didn't say the prayer team travails. He said, I travail. <laughs> Dad Hagen took ownership. And for five hours and 45 minutes, he, he prayed until he hit the gusher and part of the healing revival was birthed. You can't just push it off to a prayer team and think that everything's going to be hunky-dory as a minister. You can't just call the prayer tower if you're a layman and call the church and say, pray for my need. That's fine. You can do that. What I'm saying is just pushing it off, pushing it off. Let you do it. I'm busy. You do it. No, no, no. You kneel down and position yourself and pray and wait and say, Holy Ghost, I long, I'm available, I cooperate, I'm looking for it. Put this special, put let this rise up within me. Let give me, I will use the instrument, but you have to divinely give it. You do it. He said to me, stop. Don't, he didn't say disband them. He said, let them continue because their supply is needed. But he said, you're wrong as the pastor to just leave it all to them. Because I wasn't guilty of doing that. I would pray, but I would leave a lot of this travailing to them because they've got more time and it takes more time. You can't just make travail happen. Sometimes God will have you sit there and pray and wait on him, but you're busy and you've got your to-do list and you've got all these other things going on, but he still expects you to take ownership of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it helps us, number one, to birth new souls. We all need new souls. It helps us to mature the souls we've got. We all, every one of us need that. And third and finally, praise God. Third and finally, it helps us with the move of God. And this is the, this is the, mm. my God, my God. Quickly, please. Quickly, please. In, in the book of First Kings chapter 18. Oh, my Lord Jesus, I feel that anointing. My God, my God, my Lord. Dad Hagen said this, in every great move of God, the church, the prayers, intercessors, and travailers, he actually called them travailers, gave birth to it. In every great move of God, the church, the prayers, intercessors, and travailers gave birth to it. It did not happen because God willed it. Now, God can tell us his will, but it does not happen because he says it. It happened because people listened to the spirit of God and stirred themselves up to seek him. Notice they didn't just listen. They stirred themselves up. You don't have to read it for sake of time, but I'll quote it to you. Isaiah 40, 64, verse 7, an amazing verse. Isaiah 64, verse 7, and it says, And is there none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee? Is there none that calls up, that's, call, that's, that's intercession, that's travail, that calls upon thy name, that stirreth himself up to take hold of God? Intercession is when you take hold of him. Travail is when you come and you take hold of things in the deepest form possible. You move things. Hallelujah. 
I was, we had a, a crisis a number of years ago in the church, a really, oh, we've never had one since, but a financial crisis and I was in prayer and travail came on me and I was praying out. I don't whine and we, Dad Hagen said, don't whine and beg God for money. You, you know, you, you claim it, you release your angels, tell the devil, but there were times where that, inter- that travail will come for crisis. And I was praying and the Holy Ghost in that deep place of prayer, it is the deepest place of prayer. And in that place, I heard the Holy Ghost say, because in that scripture, it says, and the Holy, he makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But if you study that word in the Greek, it means to come opposite and to take hold together. That's what it means in the Greek, to come opposite and to take hold together. And as I was praying, I, my eyes were open and I had a mini vision and I saw this large tree that it, like, like it had just been cut down, this huge tree. I couldn't lift it, but I saw myself in the vision as I was travailing. I'm trying to lift this thing and it's too heavy for me. It represented what we were going through in our church. And I saw, I saw a person, he represented the Holy Ghost. I couldn't really see his face, but I know that's who it was. Because I heard the Holy Ghost say, as I was groaning, I heard him say, I'm coming opposite you now. And I'm taking hold with you. Oh my God. And I saw, it's a man dressed in white. I didn't see his face. And he came opposite. He was standing right in front of me on the other side of this large tree. And he said, we're doing this together. And he had so much more strength than me. All my power, I could barely lift an inch. And he just lifted like it was was a pillow. And he moved it with me and he threw it. And within a week, that crisis turned in our church. When you get into travail, God himself comes opposite you and he takes hold of that need with you. And what you couldn't do, now the anointing is with you in a greater dimension than you've ever experienced. I'm telling you. Woo, but you got to stir yourself up to take hold. It doesn't just happen. You've got to stir yourself up. You've got to wait on God. You've got to pray. And the Holy Ghost will give you that divine instrument. And when you do, you take hold and he takes hold. And my God, I don't care what you're facing. When God takes hold with you, nothing can stop you. doesn't matter how impossible it is. Now I've got my assignment because I heard the Holy Ghost while David was speaking. I heard him say, now these CX team, this elite team, it's going to come. I want you to birth that. I want you to birth that in travail. It's not going to come because we ask people. Because someone will go in one ear and out the other. But when we get and use that divine instrument, it will cause success. Some of you take that, take hold of that log with me. Take hold of that log with me because we need to move that for this ministry. Hallelujah. Travail can produce large sums of money. And I don't say that in an impure way. I say that in a, in a holy way. Because God knows it takes, like he said, millions like, in fact, Brother Richard said, trillions to do the work of God. We're, we're piddly wings at 50,000, but it's going to turn. And I believe travail is going to start to turn that. Now, as we close, I, 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 first, first Kings 18 and Elijah, verse 41, first Kings 18, 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up. Ahab represents the flesh church. Get thee up, eat and drink. For there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Flesh boy, you do what you do. Let's have a party. I'll do what I do. Spirit people know their assignment. And it's not eating and drinking. It's laying hold of things by using this divinely granted instrument of intercession and travail. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah 
went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. That, that position is mentioned on purpose because God is trying to let us know that is a birthing, that is an intercessory. That doesn't mean legalistically that's the position you have to be in. Don't get weird. But it's, it's showing us that that was a position, putting his head between his knees. It, like a woman giving birth, he was travailing and groaning with intercession. He didn't have tongues like we do, but there was the anointing of God was on him to pray in a deeper way than normal. And he begins to pray. And he said to his servant, go up now. Looked toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Hallelujah. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And I heard the Holy Ghost when I was preparing this, I heard the Holy Ghost say Elijah was a designated voice for his era. He was God's spokesperson. Whether you agree with it or not, I really don't give a rip. Pastor Nancy is a designated, I didn't say the only, but a designated voice for this era. I'm telling you, she is. She is. She's not the only, but she is. She is a, not every, you can't take unto yourself a designated voice. God has to give you that voice. And God has. Elijah had to hear something in the spirit. He had to hear it. He said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And then he had to say what he heard. Our pastor hears what God is saying in the spirit. Here's the prophetic word. Here's the utterances of heaven. And she says it. She says it as she preaches. She says it on her broadcast. She is speaking. And she is talking about the sound of an abundance. Not of lack, not of less, but of increase. Increase of wealth, increase of souls, increase of glory, increase of miracles, signs and wonders, increase of healings, increase of revival. Our Elijah is speaking what she's heard in the spirit. But listen, notice he didn't just say it and that was it. He understood a principle we've got to learn. I'm going to hear and say, I'm going to tell the flesh church, you go do whatever you want. But I understand Elijah didn't have anybody to do it for him. But I understand that if I'm going to see with my eyes what I hear in the spirit, I've got to do something. I've got to use a divinely granted instrument called travail. I've got to put my head between my knees. And you know what? It took longer than he thought it would take. Because if he, th- he said, go check, I'm sure it's done. No, it's not. I'm sure it's got to be done by now. No, it's not. Can you imagine every time he comes back? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. On the seventh time. It is, but it's really pathetic. But something from the spirit realm had birthed something in the natural realm. And it didn't matter how small it was. By faith, he said, listen, flesh. Church, you're about to, you're you're behind. You're about to get overtaken. You better move it or you're going to get overtaken. I'm telling you, we need, travail must be made for this ministry and for this designated voice for it to go far and for it to accomplish what it is that she hears. 
And it can't just be the people in this physical church. Thank God for them. But what about the ministers? What about the sons? What about the others? What about the other preachers? What about the other pastors? Do you, the problem is half the time people don't understand who the designated voice is. And then sometimes the devil will take them aside and connect them with something that's not the one that's they're called to be. But if you know who it is and you are connected to that flow, it is incumbent upon you to do what Elijah did. That's what I heard the Holy Ghost say. He said, more than anything else you say, emphasize this point. Travail must be made for the designated voice of our era. Pastor Nancy holds a designated voice. She is putting her head between her knees. But where are the travailers? Where are the ones that will say, I will take on this burden. I will take on this divine yoke, this divine instrument of travail. I will join with you. I will put my head between my knees and begin to divinely, by the anointing and unction of heaven, give birth to what the plan of God is for this ministry. My brothers and sisters, I don't know if you're catching it, but I'm telling you, we've got to do it more. We've got to do it more. <laughs> when we were at Pastor Jay's church earlier this year, Pastor wasn't there for one of the morning services, and the Spirit of God came on me and him at the same time. And we both began to exhort the people. Remember that passage after Pastor Ike preached about the Holy Ghost is raising up people to pray for this ministry, to intercede for this ministry. Because the prophet's voice can hear and say things, but if there's not the travail, it won't manifest in the natural realm the way it needs to. And we have to do this. And since that service with you, sir, there has been such a change in my wife and I that, that a travailing intercessory anointing has come on us repeatedly. And at times, sometimes to the point where you feel like you can't take it anymore. But we, but we need more to join the fight and to put heads between knees and to say, I will use the divinely granted instrument of travail, not just for my church, but for the voice. For the voice. And then what happened? Last thing, what happened? Elijah says to the flesh church that you, 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 you're going to get overtaken. And there is a flesh church today. Dr. Dufresne prophesied he had the dry riverbed vision of the flesh church and the spirit church. And there is a church that's not listening. We're not focusing on them. He just said, you better move it because, because we're moving with God and God's going to, you're going to miss it. And Ahab goes ahead, but I'm telling you, that old prophet, you know, they had these long robes. That's why it says he girded up his loins. Because you can't run in a dress. It was like a long dress. Can you see it, Morgan? He lifts up that garment. He holds it and he ties it. And his legs are free. Oh my God. And the hand of God comes upon him and he begins to run. And that is divine acceleration because the king would have the best stallion of the land and the chariot is riding at full steam. But the man anointed of heaven begins to run, begins to run faster than the fastest chariot in the land. And I can just see it. There's him going as I am. And Elijah just zooms right by him like in a movie. <laughs> Ever seen Superman in the old movies with the bad graphics? And he's running and he's going faster than the train but boy there was good graphics back then there's Elijah running past the flesh this represents the word and the spirit is going to go past the flesh it's going to go past the flesh church it's going to go past 
They may look like they have more and we're not in competition, but the spirit church is going to outrun it. In this last day move, the prophets with the designated voice are going to outrun it. And I tell you, I see it, I see it. Pastor Nancy girding, girding up her loins, girding up her loins with divine acceleration. And she begins to run and she begins to run. And the jet is included and other things are included because the voice has to run. But did you notice the intercession was key for it to manifest in this realm? Would you take up, would you take up that assignment? There's many, many better qualified preachers than me here. Why on earth would God have me stand before such an esteemed group? I have no idea other than I know in my spirit that there is a sound I hear from heaven. I sound from heaven saying, will they take up, will they take up the mantle of intercession? Will they take up the divinely granted instrument of travail? Not just for their own churches, which can change their church, but for the designated voice so that we can see manifested in this realm what she is saying. There's much said, but you can't just talk it. You've got to birth it so that she can run. The days are coming. I'm telling you, the days are coming. She's going to gird up her loins and outrun the king's chariot. Praise God. I believe we're going to be running right beside her. I believe every intercessor is going to be running right beside her. We're going to run past the flesh church, past the secret sensitive relevant doctrines, and we're going to run right into the move of God, right into the miracles she's been saying, right into what Dr. Dufresne prophesied. He said that there was coming a last day move of God. Branham prophesied it. Sumrall prophesied it. Wigglesworth prophesied it. Dad Hagen prophesied it. There is still coming a move of God before the rapture, and we're going to run right into the middle of it, but it must be birthed, for every move has to be birthed in intercession. So my brother and sister, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for the divine granted instruments of intercession, of travail, and of compassion that will make us irresistible, full of faith, and full of power. Using these instruments, we will see changes. We will see changes in our marriages, in our churches, in our lives, in our businesses, in our homes. We will see changes with children. We'll see changes with incurable diseases. We'll see changes with impossible situations. We will see new believers birthed. We will see existing believers matured. And we will see the move of God, the revival of heaven manifested in the earth like the great prophet did of old. And Father, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of a company where so many long for a company. Lord, you've given us this treasure, this gift called this company of the Dufresnes, where there is a designated voice that is saying what the Spirit of God says. It's hearing into that realm. It's speaking about the abundance to come. But Father, we join with her in this travail that it would manifest itself and that the anointing would come to run, to accelerate, and to run divine acceleration in every one of our ministries and with the Dufresnes. Father, we take upon ourselves that holy burden 
that responsibility and that ownership of prayer. Lord, we thank you as Brother David eloquently and anointedly said, and Sister Cindy, Lord, we thank you for raising up an elite team, an elite CX team, not just for the jet, but for the many other projects that this designated voice deems necessary. Raise them up from this room, raise them up from those watching. Lord, we thank you will take on the responsibility of praying this out. We thank you that travail can turn, intercession can unlock any safe in the world. We give you praise for it and we give you glory. Hallelujah. My brother and sister, don't ever be discouraged no matter what you're facing. I'm telling you, if everything you've tried has not worked, get into the deeper part of prayer. Dad Hagen called travail the deep side of intercession. Get into it and watch how God turns that situation for you because he will. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mama, thank you for the great privilege. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. I had something from the Holy Ghost. Number one, I just want to say how thrilled and honored I am to get to be in these meetings. What a what a blessing. Amen. Oh my goodness. Can we all just lift our hands and give God glory? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your voice. Lift your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One time we were in a crusade. I was from Colorado and we were in a crusade with Brother Hagen in Colorado. And um, the precious, wonderful lady who led me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I was in a denominational church and got saved. I was on drugs, ran away from home, a mess. A, a little man prayed for our family for eight years, eight years. The last night he came to call, they called it calling, came to call on our house. He said, God, I'm never going back. Nobody's doing anything. I'm never going back. And that night I gave my heart to Jesus that night. And a, a year later, 1979, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from a little Pentecostal bun wearing dresses, no makeup, you know, everything. The little precious lady in church and a revival started in that place. But in that, uh, I was also listening to Brother Hagen on the radio every single day. And I didn't know you shouldn't do it, but I used to ditch class and go listen to Brother Hagen on the radio, you know. One day the Holy Ghost told me don't do that, you know, so I, I didn't. But um, that day at the crusade, uh, sister so-and-so came, and she came to the crusade. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, honey, she said, don't follow a man, follow God. And I said, I don't think I'm following a man. But God set me in this place to serve a man who had a vision, who had the call, 
who had that on him. God set me there to serve. But I know she didn't mean to, but what came across was you're following a man. You're not following God, you're following a man. And I remember thinking, am I following a man? Or am I following God? God sent me there to serve a man. And I was thinking this morning, something the Lord told me, you know, sometimes people think when you begin to hear about intercession and when you begin to hear, because there was a move of intercession that got thwarted because it got off. It got off and it got weird. And there was weirdness with men with it. God does not want this to get off and get weird. He does not. And hearing praying for a man, praying for a woman, I heard that same thought and fear. What if, what if it gets off? What if you're following a man? If you take an arrow and you take an arrowhead, anybody? I I'm so don't know what I'm talking about here. I'm not a hunter. But I, I bought Dr. Dufresne one time an arrow, and I never got to give it to him. But God put it so in my heart, and, and this was so strong what he said. An arrowhead, there's always a point, man. There's always a point. And then there's, there's uh, right behind that point, there's a material that forms that arrowhead. There's people right behind the point. There's staff, there's uh, intercessors, there's people called, uh, teams right behind the point. But then, have you ever tried to shoot an arrowhead before it falls down? But you put it with a shaft, you put it with feathers, with the end thing, with the niche, you put that all together and you give the Holy Ghost, the head of the church, the Holy Ghost, the head of the church gives the aim. But there's always a point man. And the point takes the heat. The point, uh, the point gets the, the target, but, but the point also takes the heat. And I just heard this, don't fear intercessors because it's going to take all of us the shaft the feathers it's going to take all of us we're not glorifying a man we're glory we're following a call we're following the the point of the holy ghost the one giving the direction the one shooting the arrow it takes a point man it takes a person yielded to the holy ghost but it takes what he's preaching about. That's all us, the shaft, the feathers, the niche. That's us, that's the intercession team. That's the prayer team, that's us. Hallelujah, it takes all of us. And here's the point, get it, point, whatever. We all fly together. <laughs> we all fly together. The point just doesn't reach the target. The whole arrow reaches the target. 
We all fly together. Oh, hallelujah. We all fly together. Oh, glory to God. We all fly together. We all fly together. We all fly together. We all fly together. So there is no brochele de des grita marahajege. There is no mojege la crise zebere. For whom the Lord calls, the Lord mojete kele la praze. There is no fear arezekeneme of following a man. The Lord has called and he can do what he will. Oh, bamojege. Who will go? Who will go with the flow? Who has God called? Who has he raised? up to operate and flow who will oh mushinge mushe no mogorama oh father oni muni no maje do what you will do what you will in an emoji gain an emoji gamanana na hyena na masia oh bushike ne and it'll be intercession shall be made and there shall be souls attached. There shall be healings. Oh, Mojete Lege. Ha ha ha. And when the operations of the Spirit, Oshebe Elaninishige, ha ha, Erebose, it'll be His way. And it'll be Arabashetene. Hallelujah. The reward. <laughs> the reward. <laughs> the reward. The arrows at the center. The arrows shot. The arrow. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Same reward. Same reward. Same reward. Same reward. Nabashe. So I just want to say this is not hero worship this is not man worship this is servants assisting the call this is people assisting oh the prayer oh Ramoje who will rise up who will take their place who will step into our brave who will Moshekene I will I will I will I will I will and whether I'm the point or the niche whether I'm the feather feather or the shaft ha 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 oh we all fly together and we all fly at last hallelujah time to rejoice time to jump in time to shout ha 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 we trust you've enjoyed this message Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.